Welcome to the Sporting Minds Podcast, AFL edition on a quick turnaround on a Tuesday night. How are you going, Haydos? I'm going well, mate. Um, another one of those crazy rounds where there were some pretty big upsets. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good in a way because there's, there's teams that can win on just about any given day, which is uh, good for the competition. Yeah, exactly what we saw over this Easter weekend. And now we head into the Anzac weekend. And uh, yeah, it was uh, a crazy, crazy round. And I know it upset my tipping, and I think it might have upset yours as well, mate. Yes. Uh, yeah, there were a number of, another, a number of ones that uh, didn't quite go my way, but uh, I wasn't alone. Um, managed to get five tips, which uh, I think just uh, held me steady in uh, my work tipping comp. Yeah, I think I ended up with four. I think that uh, tip on the uh, Thursday night ended up being my uh, my worst nightmare. So uh, I'm still on top in the tipping comp, but uh, not by much. Uh, so the round five winners were Collingwood over the Brisbane Lions by a massive 62 points. Uh, Essendon beat North Melbourne by 58 points. Port in probably one of the upsets of the round. Unfortunately, probably wasn't the upset of the round. Uh, by 42 points over your beloved Eagles. Uh, Frio probably was the upset of the round, beating the Giants at home by 24 points. Uh, the Saints beat the Demons by 40 points. Tigers beat the Swans by 22. The Blues, in one of the upsets of the season, beat the Bulldogs by 44 points. Uh, the Crows are finally back on the winner's list. Finally looked like a decent side for a change. Uh, ended up winning by 73 points. And the gold medal match that we had, which was Geelong and Hawthorne, Geelong ended up getting the chocolates by 23 points. Just too good in the end. And that was the round that was. So it ended up being, as we said, upset city. It was, yeah. And uh, the GWS versus Frio game, it wasn't actually at uh, Spotless Stadium. It was in Canberra, um, but still, obviously, the home ground advantage there to, uh, to the Giants, who do go quite well there. Um, yeah, and it was interesting. A lot of those upsets, uh, they weren't by small margins either. They were blowouts for, uh, for the most part. So, once again, just adds to the intrigue of uh, you never really know what's going to happen in each, each match. Yeah, and no, Frio were quite impressive again, getting getting over the hundred mark, and uh, they're looking like they might have a um, decent side together. Uh, especially Rory Lobb starting to uh, gel well with their lineup. Jesse Hogan showed what um, Melbourne are really missing at the moment. Yeah, um, absolutely, and uh, Matt Tabernar, he's really emerging. I mean, I was always big on him, uh, very dominant at uh, WA AFL level. Um, and shows glimpses in the AFL in, in his years, but just has injuries at bad times. But, um, yeah, he's got great aerobic capacity and he can uh, take big contested marks. And I reckon he's a real, real gem for them. Oh, yeah, no, Tabiner has come along. And look, it probably Hogan helps because Hogan will always get the best defender, meaning Tabiner doesn't have to take on that best defender that he's had to take on in the past. And I think that helps his game a fair bit. And yeah, uh, right. he's definitely taken it to another level. Um, St. Kilda, impressive again. Um, <clears throat> never really troubled in the Demons match. And, and the Demons are, are the talk of, I guess, really um, in second bottom now and uh, struggling to string together wins. Um, and the other one was uh, Port Adelaide. Now, I said Port wouldn't get within five goals of West Coast. Oh, 
I was completely wrong, and they they brought a different game style I hadn't seen against West Coast from Port in a, in a way. And perhaps having Charlie Dixon out meant that Port was forced to play that way, but it worked an absolute treat. Now, what's your take on that? Yeah, um, obviously very disappointing from the West Coast side of things, but uh, it was pretty evident early that Port Adelaide, they just hunted the ball and quite simply, they just wanted it more than West Coast. Um, going into the match when Tom Barras was a laid out, I know that that would unsettle us a fair bit because he's very important uh, to how we structure up and really allows McGovern to, to roam around and take those intercept marks. Um, but you know, it probably wouldn't have mattered in the end because Port did bring that different sort of game style where they just sort of kamikaze the ball into the forward line and um, caught caught us very unaware and we weren't able to to settle and uh, play the way that we like. So uh, definitely something there for uh, a lot of the competition to take note when they do come up against the Eagles. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was as surprised as anyone and uh, at the same time very happy with the win. Um, just did not see it coming. And the Blues were probably the, the filing talking point. I know we alluded to it and neither of us backed it in, but we did say that the Blues were due and if they were going to win any game, it would probably be the Bulldogs game and that's exactly what happened. And um, Harry Mackay definitely strengthened his uh, his claims as being one of the best contested marks in the AFL. And again, he showed it. He's an absolute monster. Um, like mm. I said, I've seen it uphand. Uh, f- uh, up close first hand and uh, yeah they're saying he's the best contested mark since Travis Cloak and I'm, and I'm finding hard to uh, disagree with that yeah and uh, it just goes to show if you can get those tall targets ones that compete ones that don't um, you know lose contests easily and allow opposition players to, to swing in and take those uh, uncontested intercept marks how important it is to the team. And that's exactly what Carlton have been crying out for, for for so long. And to think that they did it without Charlie Curnow, who was a laid out. Mm. Um, yeah, it was even more impressive. And uh, it was, you know, great for, for Carlton fans and, and great for the AFL to, to see them put on that sort of performance. And as you said, it, has, it had been uh, in the making because they have been solid in, in stints in just about every game. So uh, it was good for them to put a four-quarter performance on the board. Yeah, and look, um, with with the Blues, the one key thing that was part of that win was they finally cracked the ton because they hadn't cracked the ton yeah. in something over like 59 matches. So finally they broke that drought. And look, hopefully that will uh, their ceiling's a bit higher. Um, so I want to move on and I want to speak about the issues at North Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Now... I picked them for the bottom, I think, last season. I wasn't impressed with their list. I wasn't impressed with their coach. I wasn't impressed with the whole dynamic. But then they had a really good season. They finished in ninth. They got a few recruits in, and I thought, oh, yeah, look, they could probably finish up there again. They're bottom now uh, due to that count. Yeah. And mm. they're literally showing what I thought they would have done last season. So... Where are they at? I mean, their age dynamic, they're, they're, they're 20 to 25-year-olds and nothing to write home about. Their 18 to 19-year-olds that they've just recruited show signs of being good players. But then their bookends, Barb and Brown, uh, in their 30s and above, what, what does that mean? I mean, and look, Brad Scott, Scott's been around for 10 seasons now. 
with other than a couple of pre finals, nothing to really show for it. So he's got to be held accountable. The recruiting department's got to be held accountable. I think everybody at North Melbourne's got to be accountable for the situation they're in now. Yeah, and I think it's the second time in, in his 10-year stint that they've sort of overreacted from how close they, they did get at previous seasons and really just launched into a recruiting uh, scheme where they, they get these older players in because they think they're really close to, to that premiership window and it hasn't come to fruition. And then this season, it's, it's really gone pear-shaped for them. Um, I think their biggest issue is just not well, their scoring power, basically. Jack Zebel is having a really down start to the year, which would be disappointing. Um, and then other than Ben Brown, there really isn't much much to write home about up there. I, th- I still think they're solid down back because they still have Thompson and Tarrant, who are, who are very good uh, defenders. But as you said, they're probably closer to the end than they are at the beginning. So, yeah, they're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, no, I think they are. And, and the problem is, I mean, Goldstein's over 30 now. There's no real backup there apart from... I guess Tom Campbell, who I mean was mm. discarded by the Bulldogs, and their ruck stocks are thin as. Um, it's more in the recruiting. I mean, they've gone for seasoned players again that other clubs didn't necessarily want or need. But I mean, Pollock was probably the one which you could argue was sort of a marquee type of signing, even though I wouldn't put it as a marquee. I mean, Hall was not being used at Gold Coast as much as he should have, but he hasn't really shown what he can show. Pittard wasn't getting game time at Port Adelaide, so he's getting game time now and he hasn't. I mean, they've come in. They haven't really made much of a difference. And if anything, they've gone backwards. Um, yeah. Generated rather than regenerated. Um I just don't know where they go to from here. I mean, is it time to part ways with Brad Scott? And if so, I've got no doubts other other clubs would uh, be interested that are perhaps looking for new coaches. So, yeah, it, it comes down to the recruiting, and I don't know what they can do. It, it really, I think they should have gone back in the draft. They'll try again for Josh Kelly, but I, I think he's staying at the Giants, which means... Do they, they put all their eggs in one basket and try to regenerate again through free agency, or do they have to go back to the draft? I think they're going to have to go back to the to the draft because why would Josh Kelly want to come to North Melbourne? I mean, it's yeah. as simple as that. They're, they're now 18th on the ladder and having a really poor season. Uh, it's going to take a lot of work to turn it around from here, given the evenness of the competition. And there's no reason whatsoever for Josh Kelly to go there other than money. Um, but the Giants have done a lot of work in freeing up their space so they can pay him uh, relatively close to what he can on the open market. So, yeah, I think they're going to have to go back to the draft and uh, just try again. Yeah, look, I, I think Gaff could have made all the difference too, to especially some of the outside run that he's delivering all of that. And obviously Gaff chose the Eagles, which um, the Eagles are very grateful for. And North Melbourne obviously suffered as, as a point of it. I, whether he would have made a difference as to maybe they could have been up in ninth, tenth, I don't know. Um, the, the other point of congestion, as you said, was Jack Zebel. Now, I know they've got Cunnington in there and I know they've got Higgins in there, but... Zeebel's best work, as we've seen, is done in the midfield. 
So why isn't he playing midfield? Even even for what he had a season low six disposals, even almost a career low six disposals mm-hmm. um, in that loss to the to the Bombers. Why would you not? Now this is more of a coaching point of view. Now why would you not put him in the midfield for say ten to twenty minutes? Get him where the ball is. Give him a bit of confidence, so therefore he can show a bit of leadership. Because at the moment, he really is a poor captain in the position he's in. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Definitely. Um, I guess you know maybe uh, Brad Scott's just looking at the fact that it would be robbing Peter to play Paul, and you know, given what else is down there on the forward line, you know, he sort of has to play there because there's not much else. But as you said, he's, he'd obviously be very low on confidence. You know, just put him on the ball for, you know, 10 minutes of a quarter. Maybe put Higgins up forward, see what happens. Um, yeah, uh, it is a very, it's a huge dilemma there. And I just can't see how they're going to turn it around just yet. They uh, they need to show something very soon. Look, it may turn around when a certain um, magic or magic, so to speak, comes back and they can maybe get a bit of structure and stability. But uh, until that point, uh, I think they're going to be struggling a bit. Well, the and thing with, with Majak is you'd have to play him down back because that's where he has shown to be more consistent. Um, mm. If you put him up forward, you know, he might struggle to, to get into games like he has in the past. So, But then he could also kick six goals, as we know. But, I mean, in, in my point of view, he'll probably play down back, which means... I guess Tarrant can play that playoff sort of defender or Thompson can play that playoff defender and maybe give him more drive of halfback, which might um, which might play out well uh, in the long run. But uh, at the moment, it's hurting them. Um, look, that's enough about North Melbourne. We're going all night about their issues. Um, instead, let's move to another club with a lot of issues and they're fully in the gun because they're only just above North Melbourne with one win. And it's the Demons. Now I've seen. Now we'll get to it in a minute when we get to the um, when we get to the games. But I've seen that they've made a uh, they've swung the axe, so to speak, uh, tonight with five changes. But what what is it with the demons? Is, is it the fact that there was injuries? Okay, we we can excuse that for a couple of weeks. We get that. But is it now coming down to the hunger, the desire, the personnel, and even the coaching structure? Even the coaches. I'm hearing. Uh, and reading murmurings about uh, McCartney not getting on with the players. Is it another Mark Neild Essendon type situation? Is it, or, or is it just all of it combined is just a perfect storm of catastrophe for the Demons, which is going to leave them probably, given the start they've had, missing the finals again? Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, you can also look at their, their off-season where they've had almost a record number of players uh, go in for surgery, which obviously slows um, team cohesion because they're not out in the park together. Their fitness, uh, you know, starts from from behind the eight ball and it takes them a while to build up. Everyone's been talking about how easy it is for, for the teams to take to transition the ball from their defence into their forward line against the Demons. And um, especially on the wide grounds like the MCG, uh, you can see it's pretty evident. And it's no coincidence that their best game came against Sydney where it's such a smaller ground. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, they're another team that's really at the crossroads right now. And if they don't start winning soon, yeah, you can probably say goodbye to finals. 
I mean, if you look at it, if you break it down, okay, you've got Collingwood and West Coast that played off in the grand final. Um, and then I'm just trying to think, who was the other side? Uh, Richmond. Okay. So Richmond have had their problems. Make no mistake about that. Richmond have had their problems and they've come, they've come through it and they're showing positive signs. Mm. Collingwood and West Coast had injury problems as well. And West Coast have played predominantly fairly well up and up and bar last week and maybe maybe the first match of the season. Mm-hmm. And then Collingwood's been hit and miss, but probably started to show that they're starting to hit their straps. The Demons have shown none of that. And the side they beat, people forget, are not the side they were a few years ago. And Sydney are no longer a measuring stick of the competition, I don't think. So for me... That's worrying. The, the, Clayton Oliver's gone there, thereabouts. Brayshaw's nowhere near what he was. Biney's down. Jones is down by that one game against the Swans. Uh, Tom McDonald, who was their barometer in kicking goals and was up and about last season, looks like he should be playing VFL, if not a division lower. He looks that far out of touch. Max Gorn is not having the impact of seasons gone by. Uh, their back line is all at sea. Stephen May's come over from the Gold Coast in poor, poor condition. I don't think, and, and Lynch, the same for Richmond, mind you, I don't think that's systematic of Gold Coast, how they started. I think that's systematic of those players themselves and how they rated themselves and how they thought we can get out of this and get a bigger payday, and they did. Both of them did, but they didn't keep themselves in shape. And Stephen May is a perfect example of that. Other players came back not in good nick either. Petrarca is hit and miss. He should be more consistent by now. There's so many problems with that list that I can't see them making finals. And I think it personally comes down to coaching and personally comes down to hunger and desire of that club. Yeah. um, They probably looked at it last year and and thought how well they went um, towards the back end of the year. And, you know, maybe it was just one of those things where the attitude is just not 100% in the right direction and they're not attacking the games in the same way that they did last year with that with that hunger because maybe they just think it's going to happen for them. But, uh, yeah, they're really far behind the rest of the competition at the moment and it doesn't get any easier against Richmond who's, you know, found their mojo now. So they could be quite easily one and one and five and then just about... Buckley's chance of making the finals from there. Look, maybe we... Look, I'm looking at this from another angle. Maybe we overrated them like we did with Port Adelaide in 2017, where Port Adelaide never beat a top eight side and then got found out right at the right at the pointy end of the season. Mm-hmm. Melbourne managed to get through that, but during the regular season, they actually didn't beat a top eight side. So... Maybe that has something to do with it, and maybe we did overrate them in getting to the prelim final because that prelim final was absolutely awful. I mean, another thing is, then they've also got players like Jordan Lewis, who I know were injured, but he's been criticised from all angles. I'd expect him to bounce back, but is his time up? Because he's looking quite slow and cumbersome and and more of a burden than an actual um, than an actual positive example for a player. So. It'll be interesting to see where they go. And look, there's no better match than the match they've got to turn it all around. And we'll see what they can uh, see what they can do. All right, let's get on to some positive news. The Blues finally winning. What does that mean for the rest of the season? And what's their ceiling? Should they be looking at six wins, eight wins? 
um, where can they go to from here? Because once you've got that win, you've got that belief in what you can do, as we've seen with the Gold Coast. Yeah, and it's a monkey off the back and a huge monkey at that. So, uh, look, if they can keep doing what they're doing, which is just being consistent and competitive, um, then, yeah, I mean, I can't see why they can't win another handful of games. And if they were to win six at the end of the year, I think that would be a huge positive for them. And then, you know, just remain competitive against all these good teams that are out there. Um, I think that a lot of the Blues supporters and the the Blues uh, negative naysayers who are on Bolton's back can uh, probably just quiet down a bit. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a step in the right direction for them. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it can continue. They went from 18th to 15th, and that was on the back of their percentages actually at 93. Now, when you compare that with years gone by, it would normally be around the 70 mark if they had four losses, right? Yeah. But the thing is, in every game they've been in, I watched them against Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide's experience and probably just slightly better skills got Port over the line. Against Richmond, they were at three-quarter time. They were in, I think, 13 points and then even got to within a goal early in the last. But then Richmond kicked away. In a game, really, where Richmond lost Ranch and were down a rotation, Carlton should have run over the top. Against Sydney... They sh- they had 19 inside 50s to five in the last quarter, but couldn't convert. So in every game that they've lost, and then obviously the Gold Coast, they shouldn't have lost. There's just no two ways about it. They should have won that, and they couldn't hang on. Had they hung on, I mean, we could be looking at two wins now. But in every game, they've had a chance to win, or they've been in that chance to win. And that's why I say you, can- you can't compare the Blues to this season to last season because... They're a lot more competitive. They're a lot fitter. They're running out the games more and they look more confident than what they have been in previous seasons. And they will get better, um, and especially on the back of this win. So I, I can see them getting more wins throughout the season and probably hopefully up towards that six. And I think that means that um, Bolton might keep his job if that was the case. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment there. All right, I'm going to move on to a topic that's close to your heart now. The Eagles, has that match on the weekend, was it a one-off or have they been found out by game plan which might be played more against them? And the other, the two-part question, and then the other part of it is, can Andrew Gaff and Dom Sheed play together in the same side? Because statistics point to that they can't. Yeah, Um Look, uh, it's going to be something that they're going to have to adjust to very quickly because it worked with such great success against Port Adelaide. Um, Another factor to consider was the weather. It was quite wet. So, you know, I just think that West Coast were definitely caught on the back foot. Um, But if there's anything that Adam Simpson can do, it's adjust to to different uh, scenarios throughout the games. He uh, comes up with with uh, plan B. So, look, I'll back him in to, to find something that's going to work and, you know, maybe the players will be more aware that this could be happening and it's something that they can, they can train for. Um, as for, for Gaff and Sheed, I think they absolutely can play in the same team. Um, I think it'd be more players like Chris Marson who really is getting to the point where he's not really adding much 
to uh, to West Coast run and drive. So, yeah, um, they're both accumulators, Gaff and Sheed. Um, Sheed was a bit sort of haphazard with his with his kicking on the weekend, but you could probably put that down to Port's pressure um, made him play that way, and he wasn't alone. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's not the end of the world for West Coast a loss like that. Um, it's probably a good thing that can uh, kick us back into gear and, and get that hunger going again. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think that we can uh, we can readjust and reset and uh, get back to winning ways. Yeah, well, they always say you learn more from your losses than what you do you win. So that that can be a positive. Um, I guess it, it might mean that a lot more teams, and I've always said this, I don't know why more teams don't lower their eyes, not just necessarily conditions, but don't lower their eyes against West Coast and hit up targets rather than bombing um, long into the forward line because that, McGovern just eats that up for breakfast every day. I mean, he's been the best intercept mark for the last three seasons, bar none, um, yeah, along right. with Parras as well. And I just think that um, Gaff and Sheed, look, they probably can play together on the same side, but the statistics at the moment don't point to that. Sheed had his best um, uh, best uh, figure, I guess stats for the season once Gaff, uh, once Gaff was out suspended. And obviously now there's been a um, – it's coinciding again that Gaff's returned and Sheed's numbers have gone down. Maybe it's just a matter of Sheed adjusting to Gaff being in there. Um, and we're and working together with that. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, Gaff is ahead of Sheed as far as pure midfielder goes. So he's going to take oh, minutes off him regardless. Um, and you know, Sheed just has to bide his time and uh, just sort of evolve as a player, obviously. Um, but they'll play him on the wing uh, when when Gaff's in the middle. Uh, he doesn't. Sheed hasn't really adjusted to to life as a half forward. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of finding his role and just having confidence as well, because that's huge for him. He, he plays, plays a lot, is a confidence player. So if he, if he's feeling good, he can play good. That, that's, uh, what I've noticed about Sheedy. And also something else that might help. I've just, uh, put, uh, my West Coast Eagles towel back in rotation for when I have showers. Coincidence or not, I bought it. I paid something like $20 more than I should have at the Royal Adelaide show last year, and we did not lose a game while I was using that. Mm, so why would you change a winning formula? So you should have brought it back into rotation at the start of March. Yeah, I should have, but um, it only crossed my mind uh, as I saw it in the back of the cupboard there and then straight back in there now. So we'll turn it around, we'll beat Geelong and go undefeated for the rest of the year. Oh, big call, big call. All right, from that big call, let's move to the uh, round six preview. Um, Kicking off on the odd time of Wednesday night at 7.05, obviously your Anzac night even. This game's become um, a bit of a uh, tradition now, along with Essendon Collingwood, and they've made it their own in the last couple of years, and I've actually really enjoyed the contest between the two sides when they have played it. So, look, hopefully Melbourne have got some pride. Maybe they've had to have another, uh, even though you only use it once, maybe they've had to have another circle of truth. I don't know. If the circle of truth doesn't work once, though, usually doesn't work again, according to Nick Rewalk. So uh, they could be in a world of pain. Um 
Richmond, North Melbourne, Richmond, uh, Richmond, North Melbourne, Richmond, Melbourne, Richmond at dollar forty-two, Melbourne two eighty. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, a huge, a huge game for Melbourne more than it is for Richmond, just for the fact that uh, if they don't win this, then you know you could probably kiss goodbye to the season. Really, um, it will help the fact that they're getting absolutely slammed in the media because I don't know how many times we see it, but. A team always responds after that. I think uh, you're going to be able to tell within the first probably 10 to 15 minutes how switched on Melbourne are. If they're really hunting the ball and hunting Richmond, then it can be a close contest. Um, Richmond are going to welcome back Jack Rewalt, as we've seen, and he's a huge inclusion for them. And they've really rediscovered their mojo over the last two weeks um, when all seemed lost, you know, only two or three weeks ago. So they're back in form and you'd think that they would beat Melbourne, uh, especially being at the MCG where they can use their, their run and carry and really exploit Melbourne's deficiencies at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And uh, there's only one side that has really beaten Richmond at the G in recent times, and that's Collingwood. Um it, it, it looks to me that Richmond have, like you said, refound their mojo. Um, one dangerous sign for opposition sides is that someone looked hungry, someone looked fired up, and I hadn't seen that since possibly 2017, the premiership year. He looked like he was back. Um, and yeah. I know that's a huge call after one game, but just that passion, that hunger, that excitement he brought showed to me that the week out probably did him the world of good. Um and watching them win away in Adelaide probably uh, put the put a bit of fire in the belly. And um, Dustin Martin is uh, back in midfield to be uh, be on notice. And if I was Melbourne, I'd be looking to to tag him um, and see what effect that has. Uh, but I don't think that it, with what I saw tagging him would matter anyway. So um, and, and then he he swung forward and was one out. Kick three. And he's basically just about unbeatable one out. Um, mm. from what we've seen over the years. so And the Hardwick gave him a lot of space. He was basically the only one inside forward 50 for them. So, you know, that's a winning formula for Richmond and they'd be stupid not to carry on with that, even though they've got two tall targets in uh, Rewalt and Lynch. Yeah. So we're definitely both going Tigers, I think, in, the, in this, this uh, game, unless you're telling me otherwise. No, um, Richmond. And so the quick, uh, just quickly, the teams have dropped. So yes, the Tigers did bring in uh, Jack Rewalt and uh, Shire uh, Bolton is the unlucky one to go out. Uh, great news for fantasy owners, meaning Sydney Snack and Jack Ross retain their spots. Uh, for Melbourne, it's uh, huge changes. Alex Neil Bullen, Billy Stretch, Jeff Garlett, Tim Smith, and uh, Jaden Lockhart all come in. Charlie Spargo, Corey Wagner, Josh Wagner, uh, Neville Jetta. And Braden Proust go out, Jetta with a knee and Proust with a shoulder. So that means Gorn will have all the rucking responsibility once again. Um, and a little bit of forward support for Sam Wiedemann as well, as well as a bit of speed over the ground with um, Jeff Garlett and Billy Stretch. So it's five changes. It's, it's a huge amount. It's definitely reactionary, but will it get a reaction, I guess, is, uh, is what we'll have to wait and see. Mm, that's right. Yeah, I think... Uh... None of those names really excite you too much. I think Garlett does add a little bit. And uh, Tim Smith has good flexibility. Um, 
but yeah, I still would say Richmond are going to eat them up. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And that brings us into the massive tradition, which started back in, oh, I think it was 1993, Essendon versus Collingwood, uh, in the Anzac Day clash that Kevin Sheedy created, uh, 2.50 p.m. Essendon, 2.60, Collingwood at dollar forty-eight. I'll tell you what, with Essendon's recent form, suddenly this becomes a clash of... I guess importance for both sides, but also it becomes a much tighter contest, and I really like that. Yeah, well, two informed teams, Essendon, have uh, really another team that's rediscovered their mojo. Uh, very impressive against Brisbane, and then once again against North Melbourne. And uh, it's their midfielders who are uh, coming to the fore, merit back to uh, his accumulative best, Dylan Shiel as well, and Dyson Heppel. Uh, doing what we thought that they would do come round one. Uh, so, yeah, they're definitely going to bring it to Collingwood. There's no doubt about that. And they'll probably regain uh, David Saharakis and Dylan Shield for it. So, two huge inclusions. So, um, unfortunately, old uh, old piggy uh, Braden Hare might have to uh, return to the BFL, even though he played a stellar game in his uh, debut against North Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. Um yeah, two massive inclusions just to, to add to their midfield depth. So that's going to be uh, huge, huge for Essendon. Um, and yeah, I think this is one that goes right down to the wire. Two two really stacked midfields. And the, the return of Joe Danaher last week was pretty special too. So he's only going to improve on that. Um, and yeah, I, I think this one's going to be a gold medal match easy. Yeah, no, I've got it down as the uh, gold medal match. And um, which way are you swinging? Are you, are you in the Bombers camp? Are you in the Pies camp? And just now having added that, that um, you're right, Dylan Shield um, has really added a lot to their midfield since coming across, especially the last in their wins. You can see why he was brought across and why they paid top dollar for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am siding with Collingwood after saying all those good things about Essendon. Because Collingwood were equally as impressive against Brisbane. They really dismantled them. Um, and they did it really without much of their, their midfield stars um, taking over. Probably Trelaw was the only one that had a really, really good game. But a few of their other midfielders were down. But it was the likes of Brody Majacek, um, Stevenson, and of course Jordan Dugowie that really uh, lit the game up in patches. So, yeah, it just shows that they're, they're a pretty well-rounded team at the moment. Yeah, and no, look, I'm going to go for a bit of an upset. I think Essendon O Collingwood won, and they haven't won one for a while. And I think uh, with their backline back to the Hurley and Hooker combination, I think they can uh, do a number on the Collingwood forward line. And I think this is suited to the likes of T Pang Woody and uh, Devin Smith to uh, get amongst it. So I'm going to go the Bombers in an upset. All right, Friday night, 7.20 in Adelaide. Port Adelaide, North Melbourne at the Adelaide Oval. Not exactly the Friday night primetime match you'd be expecting, but no doubt Port Adelaide will take the limelight after last Friday night. And how do you see this one playing out? Well, uh, I reckon it's a huge danger game for Port Adelaide, Um, even though they played so well against West Coast and you know, really gave the reigning premiers a touch-up. Uh, it sort of has banana skin uh, written all over it, similar to the uh, to the Richmond game a couple of weeks ago where Port were heavy favourites. 
Um, North, they don't have the same firepower as uh, as Richmond do or the same game plan. But uh, as, as we said before, a huge week in the media, all the negative attention uh, raining down on them. Maybe this is uh, the catalyst to to fire the players up and then they come with a whole different attitude and really hunt, hunt the ball, hunt the player and, you know, maybe they can cause a, a boil over here. Having said that, I still like Port Adelaide to win this though. Yeah, look, and, and this is the thing. This, does one player know more about a club or does, does a club know more about that one player? Because in the two times this season we've seen Beams go back to Brisbane and destroy... Um, the Lions and we've seen obviously Lysett go back to West Coast and Port Adelaide destroy West Coast so it almost seems that the player knows more about the club than the clubs know more about the players um, and that holds true for this one because obviously there's the added um, I guess spice of the contest with um, Jasper Pittard and Polak lining back up against um, their old side in Port Adelaide so this could, this could be an interesting one and yeah look as I said, Port against West Coast had no expectation, no pressure. Everyone thought they'd get beaten. And like I said, Port Adelaide liked that kind of uh, no expectation, no pressure type of situation. Add to the fact that they were in prime time on a on a Friday night. That also adds to it. So, yeah, it, it's a huge danger game. And Port don't cope with expectations. So we'll see if they can this time. They're $1.26 North Melbourne to three seventy five, And I, I dare say North Melbourne will have their backs against the wall, shin bone of spirit, make a few changes. And look, it's, it's going to be very tight, I think. Yeah. Um, just touching on, on what you said there about uh, Polek and Pittard, what sort of information they might be able to share with the coaches. Um, probably... If there's anyone where it's a little bit irrelevant, I think maybe this is the case because Port Adelaide's game style is quite different from last year. Add to that, they've got, you know, a complete, probably a 25% change in the player lineup. Uh, it sort of just throws out anything that uh, could be useful that uh, Polek and Pittard might be able to bring to the table. Or are you sticking with the power or are you going North Melbourne and upset? No, I'll stick with the power. All right. So into the uh, Q clash on the early Saturday game. It's Gold Coast 290, Brisbane $1.40 at Metricon. And if I didn't say the odds for Essendon, Collingwood Essendon were 216, Collingwood were $1.48. Jeez, this one's evenly poised. Brisbane had three good wins to start the season and now have... Um, re- um, I guess regressed a bit and lost the last two. Gold Coast started off well, um, winning three and one, but then got a reality check last last week by a Adelaide side which found its mojo. Tough to call. Brisbane's probably got the better list, and that may be the only reason why I'm going for them, and that they've had the better of the Q clashes recently. Yeah, um, you have to rejig my memory, but did Gold Coast beat Brisbane in the corresponding fixture last last year at Metricon? I think, I think they might have. I, I know it was definitely close. Um, mm. Yeah, I, something's telling me that Gold Coast did. No, no that, that's right. They won at the Gabba in the first game and Rainer missed a shot after the siren on the run or on the siren on the run, which went to the... If I remember, I'm just playing it through my mind. Went to the left-hand side. 
Um, and Gold Coast won the first fixture, but then Brisbane won the corresponding fixture in Metricon. Uh, Of course, Brisbane will have some injury issues to deal with. Um, Harris Andrews, their uh, full back, um, is going to be out. Yeah, Um, which is a huge blow for Brisbane. Uh, He's one of their best players for sure. And there was another Brisbane player, Reese Matheson. Reese Matheson, who was out. So it's going to mean there's going to be a couple of changes and, and desperately upsets the defence. So um, the likes of two-metre Peter, uh, he'll be looking to exploit that. Um, Chris Burgess, if he holds his spot, um, he may look to exploit that. So Brisbane got, um, aren't going into it full strength and the Gold Coast will look to exploit that. And they'll be looking for a bit of pride back after that um, demoralising loss to the Crows. Yeah, definitely. I think um, this is definitely one that that Gold Coast can uh, bounce back for sure. Um, I think Chris Burgess definitely keeps his spot. Stuart Jew is a big rap for him, and he he said as much uh, before the Adelaide game that he's not far away from uh, kicking, you know, two or three goals and really having an impact on games. So um, I think you know. This could be one of those games where he does really come come to the fore. Um, yeah, having said that, yeah, you still got to be brave to pick Gold Coast uh, on any given day. But um, yeah, maybe maybe this is one where they can cause an upset. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to tip them from an upset. So, are you going to tip them from an upset, or are you going to stick with the Lions? I'm thinking I might go Gold Coast as well. Yeah. All right. So, as good as Brisbane uh, were in the first three rounds, and you know they probably ran into two of the in four teams um, after that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, there's something about Gold Coast this year. Just a lot more competitive. They're in games for longer. Bar last week, um, so yeah, I reckon they can hold their own here, and you know maybe the the home crowd at Metricon can get them over the line. That's it. All right, Saturday twilight, four oh five. And what was going to look like probably at the start of the season on paper, a relatively straightforward game for the uh, away side. It is uh, t- totally different. And it's St Kilda at a dollar eighty-five, Adelaide dollar ninety-five, and I've got it as a bronze medal game of the weekend. I'll tell you what, this is this is going to be an interesting clash because Adelaide could look to get their season back on track with a win, but equally St Kilda could really push on and secure top spot. I, that just boggles the mind. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, this this one's probably the hardest one to read for me. Um, St Kilda obviously had just about the dream run up until now. Um, and then, you know, the Crows, they looked really good again last week against uh, the Gold Coast. And, you know, we know what a little bit of confidence can do. Um, you know, my head says Adelaide. Uh, I think they will take a lot out of that win against the Gold Coast, and um, they generally play pretty well at, uh, at Etihad or Marvel, as it's known now. Um, having said that, obviously, Tank Kilda have been very good, a lot fitter, uh, a lot stronger. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a close one, but uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Adelaide. Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite way. I think St Kilda can consolidate their spot. I don't think it'll be by much, but I think the Saints can win this uh, on the back of how they're playing and on the back of uh, how they're playing at Marvel as well. They're really enjoying their time uh, underneath the roof. And, look, there will be two significant outs. Um, Jaron Geary will be out for a couple of weeks, maybe even longer with that um, corked 
thigh, which ended up turning into a bit more severely, a uh, bit of a bleed there, and they had to um, sort of slice it open and give it a bit of a uh, relieve the pressure that was building up there. And uh, Wayne Miller uh, had his shoulder um, dislocated, yeah. so uh, his AC joint. So he'll be out for uh, a month to six weeks. Adelaide will have to replace an uh, informed player there as well. So Saints replacing their captain, Adelaide replacing the informed player. So both will have an impact. Um, I'm going to stick with the favourite. I'm going to stick with the Saints. Um, I think they're in really good form and I think they can push on. Yeah, and an interesting subplot too would be how the uh, ruck battle plays out because you've got the uh, two <laughs> up-and-coming uh, ruck players for both sides. Um, Rowan Marshall, who's showing a, a lot of potential, and then Rory... Riley O'Brien. Uh, O'Brien, sorry. Um, who you know really wants to consolidate his... Uh, his position in the game as well. Yeah. All right. So Saturday night, it's uh, another derby. It's uh, not the Q clash. It's the, I don't know what they call it over in Sydney. We'll Battle, just call it. Battle of the Bridge, they call this. Battle of the Bridge. And it's Sydney at $2.70 at home versus GWS $1.45 at the SEG. And in, look, in recent memory, in recent uh, clashes, it's been all GWS. Uh, they've been all over the Swans uh, probably ever since that uh, 2000, I think it was 2017 or 2016 final series. Um, since then, it's all been GWS. Sydney barely have had a look in a, and a sort of change from the early days when it was all Sydney. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the only thing that can affect this clash for mine, even though they lost to Frio, is if Bill Davis is out and Buddy has a different opponent because that will create a whole different dynamic and Buddy could get off the chain. Yes, agreed. And uh, Phil Davis is shown to be quite combative against uh, old buddy. And usually how, how that duel goes, goes a long way to uh, sorting out the winner and loser. Um, buddy looks pretty good to me. I think he's uh, in really good touch. He was a little bit, uh, what, was, what would be the, the word? He was kind of... Underdone? Oh, not underdone. He was just sort of... A little bit whiny on the weekend, um, sort of probably a bit frustrated at Sydney's ball movement um, and then, you know, really wanted wanted some uh, free kicks to go his way. But uh, he looks like he can still tear a game apart. So he, if given the chance, you know that he can. Yeah, no, look, I, yeah, you're right. He just looks a bit, um, he looks like he's playing for the free kick a bit. And I don't know if that's to do with the fact that the ball's not being delivered to him the way he would like it and the way he was, uh, he's been accustomed to. Because um, I did notice that in oh, the game against Carlton uh, where Liam Jones had his number. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting because obviously it's a, it's a different midfield. It's a different dynamic from Sydney. The depth isn't there anymore. They're probably lucky they've even won the one game against Carlton because they probably shouldn't have even won that. So for me, it's it's GWS, um, especially if Phil Davis gets up. Um, so you're going GWS as well? Yeah, I think so. I think um, they'll be out to uh, respond after that poor showing against Fremantle. Uh, maybe that's a, a nice reality check for reality check for them as well and uh, they'll respond here. I think um, the final series last year it was basically a no contest at the same ground. Um, Toby Green could be a huge inclusion for, for the Giants um, and yeah I think they win this. Yeah. Speaking of Fremantle, they're the Saturday night game at 7.40 taking on the Bulldogs at Optus and oh geez look the Bulldogs started off well but 
the one thing at the back of my mind which always got to me about the Bulldogs was the fact that they just lack a forward line. And unless their midfield absolutely obliterates the opposition, they're going to struggle. And that's come to the fore in the last three weeks. Yeah, definitely. Um, Also, it was interesting to note how Luke Beveridge uh, saddled up the team because he had players like McRae, Liberatore, um, Bontempelli, who's had such a ripping start to the season, all three of those guys. He played them up forward for large chunks of the game, which was just quite bizarre given the sort of form that they were in um, leading up to that game. And, you know, maybe it sort of sparked uh, Carlton into gear and, you know, they were never able to uh, to claw back from that. So you'd think that he'd go back to Old Faithful and have those those three players playing majority of the, the time in the middle, um, which will help them a lot. Uh, but as you said, you know, they don't really have much of a forward target to go to. So unless Shaki comes back in and plays well, then, you know, they'll struggle to score, which we've seen. Yeah, no, look, look um, Fremantle could have the likes of uh, Cam McCarthy back. Uh, look, Taylor Doom on, I don't think, overturned his suspension. Uh, Connor Blakely's not far away. So it's, it's looking pretty good for Fremantle. Um, and wow. It just goes to show that if you have a decent key forward, geez, it helps so much, doesn't it? Someone who can just create a contest, create a target, bring other players into the game, it's just so important. Oh, and that, look, that, to be honest, they've that, that, that thrown it at Travis Clark, they've thrown it at others, and... Uh, yeah, look, it, it hasn't worked out. Uh, I mean, and look, the Bulldogs losing Duray and Suckling really derailed their back line, and they're not coming back anytime soon. So they're going to have to find a way. And Suckling's two to four, and Duray's listed as six to eight. So they're going to struggle. Um, even their their forward line with Kavara uh, is a test. So he he could be one that maybe can make a difference to their forward line, but he, he's not a key position, so he won't make a great deal. Look, I, I've got to stick with Frio. Walters in career best form. Lob having an impact. Hogan starting to get some continuity. Um, I don't think they lose this, so I'm going Frio, and I imagine that you are too. Yeah, I think you have to go with Frio, um, given on what we've seen in recent weeks. Yeah. All right, so two Sunday games then, given the uh, Wednesday night and Thursday fixture. So Sunday afternoon, your 2.50pm game, you've got Hawthorne versus Carlton at the University of Tasmania Stadium, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure is in Launceston. So Hawks, look, they weren't that bad against Geelong. I just think they were under... uh, Hawks home away from home. Under strength a bit, but... um, I think... uh, and Carlton obviously got a um, really, really resounding win. Um, I think the um, the Hawks, given their record in Tassie, should be uh, should be uh, too good in this one. Yeah, um, definitely for the fact that it's at uh, at the UTAS, which they play quite well. I think only Brisbane are the only team to beat them in recent memory up there, and that was quite the shock loss. Um, this is going to be a real test for Carlton, and I think uh, we're really going to know after this just what sort of space they're in because, um, you know, Hawthorne, even with all these injuries, they're still just a competitive side, and obviously Alistair Clarkson goes a long way to that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a huge test, 
huge test for Carlton. I think that... Uh, yeah, look, just running through a few of those uh, odds. And, I know uh, we did uh, St Kilda eighty-five, Adelaide ninety-five. Just going back, Sydney with two seventy, EWS a dollar forty-five, Fremantle a dollar forty-four, Western Bulldogs two seventy-five, Hawthorne a dollar thirty in this one. Deserved favourites, Carlton three forty. And look, Stratton was a big out. Uh, obviously, the captain, uh, and I've always rated him as their most valuable player. Um, he'll be back, in, likely to be back in with Liam Shields, so that'll give him a bit of strength down back and also around the midfield. Um, it was good to see Mitch Lewis get his first game. He looked actually really, really good. Um, so he looks like he could be one for the future. Um, Wingard is probably the one that needs to up his game a bit. I know he had a bit of a uh, interrupted preseason, but he hasn't really, other than him, shown much of why Hawthorne recruited him. Um, so he'd want to uh, get amongst it a bit. Uh, maybe even spurts on the ball just to get him into it. So, look, Carlton gives them problems. Mm. Uh, look, Carlton will give be, them problems, especially Harry McKay, especially if Charlie well, Kurnow comes back, which I think he is certain to do. Um, looks like Cunningham could come back as well. They've got options from Fasolo, Kennedy, McCready, Phillips and Williamson. So... Carlton will be looking like they're, you know, um, will be thinking they're a chance. And look, they'll be competitive. They'll get within five goals. I've got no doubt about that. But I think Hawthorne will be too good on the day. Uh, so I'm backing that you'll be backing the Hawks as well. Yes, I will be. Uh, it's interesting to see how uh, Jack Silvani goes because he was quite good on the weekend. And um, yeah, the Blues will be wanting more of the same stuff for him. All right. Brings us to the silver medal match. And normally, if it wasn't for Andak Day, uh, and the form that Essendon and Collingwood in would probably be the match of the round. But uh, it's Geelong versus West Coast. Geelong $1.44 at home. West Coast two seventy five. Um, Jesus, this is going to be a good clash. Hutchings, who does he go to? Does he go to Dangerfield? Does he go to Tim Kelly? Uh, there's other subplots as well. Ablett playing well. Uh, the Ruck contest. Does does Barty play given his form? Um, do they do they stick with say Hickey and maybe a backup of maybe Oscar Allen as a as a second ruck? So many um, different scenarios in this match. Yeah, um, it's going to be a tough one for West Coast. Definitely, um, they don't typically go very well down at uh, Cat Park. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's going to be hard to see how we win this one. Uh, obviously, going to be interesting to see also how we respond from uh, last week's loss to Port Adelaide. Um, can't see too many players coming back for West Coast. Uh, Tom Brass is going to be out for a while, which is disappointing, and also Willie Rioli uh, still a while away as well. Yeah, look, uh, Tom so, Barras is yeah yet to be confirmed, and Willie Rowley's uh, still four weeks away. Nada Nui's obviously indefinite, and Jake Waterman's a test. So I mean, yeah, there's there's not. I mean, other than that, there's uh, look. I like the fact that Geelong probably play a different game style and do like to go long and deep into their forward line, especially with um, Gary Rowan and uh, Hawkins there. So it could play into West Coast hands. And I like the Eagles getting the upset win. Yeah. Um, look, we're certainly a chance. We've still got a lot of uh, premiership talent there. Um, I think uh, Hutchings probably plays on on Kelly because he'll probably play uh, more around the ball. 
whereas Dangerfield spent a lot of time up forward last week and um, would be a huge mismatch against Hutchings uh, deep forward. So, yeah, you'd expect Hutchings to go to Kelly and then maybe Dangerfield when he's on the ball. Um, so, yeah, it's going to take a huge effort from us, but uh, hopefully we can respond and, you know, we're not playing at Optus Stadium, the, the hard oval that it is. and maybe that helps Yeah, us. it could help you. Yeah. So are you looking at the Eagles or are you looking at the Cats in this one? Well, I'm going to tip the Eagles, but I, my head says that Geelong win this. All right. Well, I'm going with the Eagles in the upset, so I'm going to... Uh... Go with that. The gold, silver, medal, uh, bronze matches we said at gold, Essendon, Collingwood, silver, Geelong, West Coast, bronze, St. Kilda, Adelaide. Now, locks upset some best value last week, mate. You got zero. I got one. The only one I got was Carlton in the upsets. <laughs> so that shows our form was yeah. uh, pretty much off and that it was a bad round. Now, locks this week, I've got Fremantle and Richmond. The upsets, mm-hmm. I've got West Coast and Gold Coast, so both the coasters. The best value, I've got Essendon and St. Kilda. And obviously, my tips were the Tigers, Bombers, Power, Gold Coast, Saints, GWS, Frio, Hawks, and the Eagles. What have you got for your locks? Yeah, look, uh, it's another tough round for me. I thought last week was easy, and it turned out to be uh, totally incorrect. This one, for me, also looks like uh, it's hard to pick a lock. Um I'll probably say Richmond. I'll have to go with you on that one. I'm not that confident in saying that Fremantle are a lock against Bulldogs, so maybe I, I go Hawthorne again without any great confidence. But, uh, yeah, they're both short odds, and uh, I can see uh, them winning more than uh, a shock upset. All right, so upsets? Uh, well, Gold Coast is one for me that we've uh, we've flagged, and uh, also the Crows, considering they're outsiders, I reckon that's two uh, not bad bets. All right, there. and your best value bets for the rounds. Well, Gold Coast at two ninety, I think that's great value. Um, and then you're probably looking at. Uh, yeah, maybe Essendon at 260. All right. So you've gone your Loxus, Richmond, and the Hawthorne. Your upset was Gold Coast and Crows and your best value, Gold Coast and Essendon. And your tips that I've got written down are the Tigers, the Pies, the Power, Gold Coast, Crows, GWS, Frio, Hawks, and the Eagles. Yes. That's right. All right, mate. It's been another fascinating uh, episode, another fascinating round, and I'm sure that's sure to continue this weekend. Uh, remember the sporting one on Facebook at uh, The Sporting One on Instagram and one underscore sporting on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow the podcast on Anchor, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, uh, Spotify and CastBox. And uh, enjoy the uh, Anzac round that's to come. Thank you, mate. Uh, I'll be staying tuned to uh, just about every game I can and it's going to be another fascinating round, that's for sure. Yeah, that is exactly right. All right, mate, go the power and for once I'll say go the Eagles. (laughs) Thanks, mate.